This is Corolla Digital. Hello, my little pecan-crusted tilapia fillets. It's me, Allison. I have really painted myself into a corner with this whole, it's a new year, I'm now going to address you as various kinds of meat as opposed to carbs, which I used to do, because the truth is I'm running out of meat, and I don't enjoy trying to think of new meat-based products as much. I really feel like, could we already have run out of things? I mean, I don't think so, but like the tilapia, that was a reach. Uh, and I don't know. I find myself wanting to call you something else, like maybe paper clips. Maybe I'll switch to desk supplies, office supplies. I don't know. Weigh in, please. This meat thing, it's not working. It does not have the flexibility that carbs provide. <clears throat> anyway, also, I wanted to say something else, something that has been just slightly weighing on me, uh, which is last week, the Maria Menunos episode, I've heard from some people, this a couple, unless it's one person in a couple different places, um, who were very disappointed in me over what Maria and I were saying about Kim Kardashian. Um, people who are like usually super into me and think that I'm not a shallow twat um, were surprised to find out that uh, we were sort of defending Kim Kardashian and saying that when people say that she's just like a lazy, talentless, whatever, that's not really the case because, see, now I wish I could remember exactly what I said in that episode, but I I imagine what I was saying is that it's actually a ton. I'm sure that that girl works from the moment she wakes up to the moment she goes to sleep and that it's it's a lot of work and it's hard to do what they do. Um, So I I was trying to think of a way to communicate that And I mean, one of the things I considered was just trying to put out there like, look, if you, for the most part, respect me and think that I uh, know what I'm talking about, then just trust that if I'm saying this, like there's something about it you don't know. And I thought, well, that's ridiculous uh, to put it that way. And then then I started thinking, why do I even care? Why do I even care what people think about this thing? Uh, I don't know. I, but, I mean, I don't want people to think that I am uh, awful. So that's part of it um, for thinking that. But finally I realized, here's an analogy. Imagine I were to show you what you think is a photo of a big steaming pile of turds. And I was like, no, it, this, here's the thing, though. This is not a photo. This was painted uh, with vomit. But it just looks like an actual photo of crap. But it's not that at all. It's it's something entirely different. And do you know how hard it is to do that? Like the um, the hours that go into making this thing that looks this way. Uh, and by, and not only that, like a lot of people are trying to do it. But girls all over the country are trying to do this with their own vomit. And then you'd be like, yeah, but at the end of the day, it's a, a picture of poo made out of vomit and I don't care for it. And you'd have a point. So I guess what I'm trying to say is I am focused on all the stuff that goes into making this thing that you, you know, you might just look at the product that they make and think, what's the big deal? Like it's, they're just, you know, observing their life. How hard is that? And I'm saying you don't understand that uh, there, a lot of work goes into that and a lot of people try to do that and you have to have a certain skill in being able to do it convincingly. Um, but the thing is that everyone who... Uh, 
who feels like she's just a talentless hack, I think what they're, what you're saying is, yeah, but I don't care for the product that's being created. Um, and to that, I'd say, yeah, I see what you're saying. Uh, and I guess the only thing I would say is that if we have to all look at someone, I don't mind that it's someone who kind of has a big ass and has dark hair, uh, just because of my own, you know, ass and hair. But other than that, I would agree that I don't think that she's really contributed, you know, an incredible... She's no me. I'm just going to say that. Anyway, uh, I feel like I could have said this in a more succinct way. And uh, do we have some iTunes comments, Gary? Allison wants your iTunes comments. Allison wants them. Yes, she does. Please leave her some iTunes comments. And don't forget to click five stars. All right. Our first iTunes comment of the week speaks to what you were just talking about. It is by RK9102, and it is titled... Maria Menounos, Part 1 Pre-Show. Regarding your periods and ducklings, were you saying ducklings should be coming out of your vagina, ducks having per- having their period in your pants, or slaughtering ducklings that are coming out of your vagina? The first one, for people who don't know, it's not like I really dream of having ducklings coming out of my vagina, but I'm not going to say I don't. Uh, but I was talking about a whole mishap involving my period, and then... I felt really it felt like a transgression to even talk about it. Uh, And then I was saying that why is it that this is something that no one ever talks about? Is it because it's blood? And I bet if it wasn't blood, if it were ducklings, there wouldn't be such a problem. So, yeah, it was specifically talking about ducklings collecting in my underpants. Next one. Our second one is by (laughs) It Sounds and it is titled Alice in the Rose. I gave ARIYNBF a listen and was not sure what I was getting myself into, but actually, I am really enjoying the segments and conversations well, on the show. Let me just stop right now for one second. Hold right there. Uh, if anyone's wondering what all the sighing and laughing is, it's Gary sighing and shaking his head and me laughing at this situation. Carry on. <laughs> <laughs> I'm going to start that over. Okay. I gave ARIYNBF a listen and was not sure what I was getting myself into, but actually I'm really enjoying the segments and conversations on the show. She is smart, funny, energetic, and not bashful about any topic. I enjoy hearing where the interviews go. Also, there was talk with one guest that Allison should go to therapy, but I think if you go to therapy, you would be wasting good talking points for the show with your shrink. Please don't do it! Besides, I think it's cathartic to hear you talk about these little intimate issues in the way that you do on your show sometimes. Thanks, Allison and Gary. Later. Well, I'll have you know, I have been going to therapy again, and it hasn't stopped me from saying way too much here and there. But but thank you um, for being nice. Okay. And our final iTunes comment of the week comes from Brody Zero, and it's titled, Gonna Have to Say a Lot Worse. Allison, your show is great, and I enjoy it very much. To address the period talk from a guy's point of view, for the young men and unmarried men, it may have been a bit disturbing. However, I was not bothered one bit. I have three kids, and after experiencing the arrival of all three of those little bundles of joy, all three C-section deliveries, it takes a lot more than that to get me. Love the podcast. Keep it up. Also, one of the best features of the Adam Carolla podcast is you! <laughs> that, that's in all caps, so I was just imagining that's the that's, I feel like that's how we intended it. Well, thank you so much. I'm Like I said last time, I'm heartened that people haven't been that disgusted by my story. I will tell you that a little conversation Gary and I had after the the big... Uh, period talk admission was I said, who am I going to turn off with with that? And Gary said almost faster. Like he said it before I finished asking anyone with a dick, anyone with a dick. Let's recreate it. Gary, who am I going to turn off with that? 
anyone with a dick. <laughs> it was even faster the first time. At the time, I was, yeah, I, w- I was, I was suffering PTSD at the moment. That I that know. Last time. I'm sorry. It's okay. You're handling it well. Well, I'm glad to see that you've uh, made sure to keep it up. <laughs> I can't let it go. <laughs> I'm aware. I know. I know. I'm that person who does something embarrassing that not everyone knows about till I tell them about it every single day, all the time. Anyway, I want to tell you guys about Go to My PC. Uh, <laughs> the weather is crappy out there. One day it's 39 degrees, the next day it's 80 degrees, and I am not even exaggerating. That's what's going on in Los Angeles right now. It is nuts, and I'm actually a little bit depressed that it's getting warm again because I liked the New York weather out here, but that's not the point. The point is wherever you are in this great globe of ours, you might be dealing with some inclement weather that is preventing you from getting to the office, but you need something on your office computer. What are you going to do? Are you going to battle the elements? You could, but that is what you would do a million years ago or even a few years ago. Now, thanks to technology and thanks to Citrix, you can get to your computer without actually having to be in your computer, at your computer. Uh, so you can get to your computer from wherever you are, be it... Trapped in a snow bank, under a snow drift, in an avalanche, or just at a coffee place. Or you could be in line somewhere, wherever you are. You need to get to your computer, and you can do it now with Go to My PC by Citrix. You can access your entire office computer from home, so you don't have to risk a dangerous commute or worry about falling short on a project. It's a secure, se- excuse me. Go to My PC is a secure remote access tool that allows you to connect to your office computer from any other computer or mobile device. You can access all of your work files, programs, and network from wherever you are, whenever you need to. You can also get your puppy photos if you happen to have those and you need to be showing someone because that's the kind of thing that I would be like, God damn it, why did I leave that cute photo on that computer? Why do I not have a copy of that everywhere? Well, now I can get to it with Go to My PC. So be prepared. Set up Go to My PC today. It takes just a few minutes and it's super easy to use. Try Go to My PC free today with a special 45-day free trial just for my listeners. That's you guys. Visit gotomypc.com, click on the Try It Free button, and enter the promo code ALLISON. Then download the free app to your iPad or iPhone. That's gotomypc.com, Try It Free, promo code ALLISON. I also want to tell you guys about Vistaprint. Vistaprint.com is a place to go to get all sorts of promotional or marketing material for your business or your brand or you, because you are your brand. And right now, what I want you guys to take a look at are their personalized calendars. I've said this before. I'm going to say it again. I'm a fan of calendars. I'm a fan of being able to just look at my wall, look at a cute puppy or what have you, uh, and know what day it is right then. I Yes, I'm aware there's all sorts of calendar apps and whatnot, and they're good, but nothing replaces an actual calendar that exists in this universe and that you can touch with your fingertips. Uh, you can get a personalized calendar from Vistaprint. You can include personal photos, text, images, and captions. You can put on notes for special dates. You can start any month you want. It's fun, unique, and affordable, and it makes a great gift for customers, friends, and family. Uh, I've said before, my mom used to make calendars for my sister and me with pictures of uh, Woofy and of Toby, but then she stopped doing it because she sucks. Anyway, uh, they have wall calendars, desk calendars, poster calendars, wallet calendars, magnets and cards. You can use, choose from hundreds of calendar templates. It's easy to design and order. All calendars, including wall, desk, poster, wallet, and folded, are 50% off. It's a special offer. Uh, you get free shipping on your entire order if you spend more than $30 
I'm a big fan of free shipping, but you know what I'm not a fan of? Shipping that costs money. Did that make sense? Because it's a distinction. What I'm saying is, this is awesome, free shipping. You need that. Uh, so go to www.vistaprint.com slash best friend to get this incredible offer. Just go to www.vistaprint.com slash best friend. Satisfaction guaranteed. If you're not happy, they will make it right. No risk. No, no risk at all. If you're not happy, they'll make it right. That's awesome. Uh, all right, you guys. This is my interview with Harris Whittles. He's, he's funny and he's introspective and he really likes the band Fish. Um, I, feel like, is there, I feel like there's other stuff I need to tell you guys, but, uh, but I'll just tell you some other time. Is there anything else I need to tell them, Gary? Do I need to just apologize as a blanket apology? I'm sorry, you guys. I don't know for what, but it just covers it all. I don't feel fulfilled. <laughs> you don't? Not by that apology. Do you do you want a personal apology? Gary, I'm sorry I've traumatized you. No. Thank you. I appreciate it. That doesn't that's not gonna fix it. What can I do? What you can... put me in touch with your therapist? <laughs> <laughs> I could actually. Um just no, for like some targeted therapy, just just to work on this one story you've heard. Yeah. And and hopefully <laughs> get her to work on you not telling stories like this anymore. Um, no, I don't think there's anything else uh, that you really need to point out. The uh, the live from LA Podfest. Oh yeah, don't forget if you want a treat for your ears, which you do, uh, you can get the special bonus episode of my show live from the LA Podcast Festival with guests Doug Benson and Greg Proops, and that's in the comedy album section of iTunes. It's a dollar ninety nine. So cheap, but so much entertainment. Uh, and if you want to uh, email the show, a r i y n b f at Allison. Ugh, that is not correct. A-R-I-Y-M-B-F at AdamCarolla.com. Um, and uh, leave us an iTunes comment, won't you? Okay, here you go. Here is part one of my my interview with Harris Whittles. I love you guys. Allison Rosen, Allison Rosen is your new best friend. Allison, Allison, Hey everyone, hi, hello, it's me, Allison Rosen, and welcome to another episode of Allison Rosen is Your New Best Friend. My guest today is Harris Whittles, author of Humble Brag and creator and curator of the Twitter feed Humble Brag, and a writer for like a zillion shows. And you've done some acting as well, yes? Uh yeah, a handful. I love acting. I wish I could do that um instead of writing sometimes, but I'm uncastable because I look like I'm 50 and 20. But you're act- 50 and 20? Yeah, at the same time. How do you do that? I don't know. I just, I'm, is that, I'm, is that the I'm feedback perfectly you get? in between like a man and then like a college kid. Huh. What do you so, think? So you How mean, old do you think I look? I think you look like you're in your late 20s. Perfect. But I, I know think that you knew that. Well, well, okay. I'm actually. <laughs> if no. you just saw me. I wonder what you would have said. I would have said early 30s. Right. Exactly. But no. But what are you? Oh, so you're 28. 28. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Oh, that's exactly what I thought you looked <laughs> That's like. what I try to exude with this, you know, right. casual hooded sweatshirt and my tennis shoes. But Yeah, yeah. yeah. I don't know. Um. So so wait, you go out for roles for 50-year-olds and they write – I literally – 50, 50 is – 50 is an exaggeration. <laughs> I'm not quite at the level just like – 
the dude, like the 35-year-old guy mm. who works at like a law firm or something on a right. sitcom. Right. Like, Your I'm youthful exuberance. Yeah. And then, you. you know, also maybe I'm just not uh, good and that's why I don't get stuff. But no, it's But not that's what that. I'm choosing to believe. It's my physical appearance. See, you know what I'm thinking, Harris? Hmm. If you're if you were to lose your hair, yeah, you could get older roles. I know. Have you considered that? I am trying. Good luck with that. <laughs> um, well, yeah, I was going to segue into wow, you're young and you've had so much success, but you're not that young. No, I I'm used to be a boy wonder, I think, and now I'm just a, a Jew writer in <laughs> Hollywood. What? What are some of the things – tell us Tell us some of the things you've written for okay, and are well, doing currently. I was – so I moved out here when I was 22 to Los Angeles. Out here from Texas, from right? From Texas. Well, I went to school in Boston, but mm. I'm from Texas. Emerson, where yeah. I didn't realize everyone went except everyone I meet went there. Hence, everyone went there. Everyone did go there. A lot of people went there for a very short stint. It's not as like David Cross went there for like five months, but everyone's like David Cross went right. to Emerson. But if you asked a lot of those people, they would say that he didn't. And then Dennis Leary, we had Leno. That's about it. See, those are more people than I know. I just mean people I personally know. Oh, a lot oh, of yeah, them yeah. Went there. There's like this thing called the Emerson Mafia. That's like this sounds stupid, but yeah, it is like it there's does. this underground society of people in L.A. that went to Emerson and because it has a big. What broadcasting, performing? Yeah, it's media, like a liberal arts school. They they have a really thing. good yeah yeah media arts right. program. Okay, um, so Texas, Texas, the mafia. Then you came mafia. out here. Out here, I was doing stand up, and then uh, Sarah Silverman hired me on her show like mm-hmm. right away when I was twenty two. Did she scout you? She saw me at Largo. We were doing the same show. And uh, she didn't scout. She was just like happened to be there and mm-hmm. she saw me and I had a good set. And then she wrote me an email like four months later and was like, hey, remember me? And I'm like, yeah, I <laughs> worship I'm familiar you. with yeah. you. Um, <clears throat> and, and she let me what? submit Would stuff okay. to her Comedy Central show because basically I had no credits or experience. And so Comedy Central knew they could pay me. Nothing, and I would do it, and they were right. And so it they was just exploitative, had, not a great opportunity. Absolutely, but it was a great opportunity. I would have. It was like the best internship you could have. Like I learned so much that I was mm-hmm. just thrown into that. Did she know that? Did you know that you wanted to write? Yeah, yeah. I went to school for that, so okay. I did know I wanted to write. I just was planning. On, I was like nannying at the time, and I was doing stand up, and I was planning on. Um, doing the writer's assistant thing and like working my way up and then I I got lucky and and got to write on that show pretty early. And then, you know, once you land on a show, it's not that hard to get to other shows basically. Mm-hmm. So I've just been leapfrogging from – I did that and then went straight to Parks and Rec and then did Eastbound and Down for a little bit and now I'm back at Parks. Mm-hmm. Um, and then are you do you are, do you also are you developing your own show as well? Yeah, yeah, yeah. So right now I'm developing a pilot for Brian Baumgartner, who's on The Office, and it's I'm developing it with Greg Daniels, who adapted The American Office, mm-hmm. and I'm just writing it now, and we're trying to get it in before the holidays. What's it about? It's about a guy who works at the Atlanta airport, and um, he's just been he's like you know this kind of schlubby average white guy who used to be great at sports and 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 had lots of friends and was just like used to winning and then for some reason just society kind of casts aside just the average dude and and but he still feels like he's 
the same guy. So mm-hmm. he's trying to like win at life again. But, you know, it's hard because he's just a guy. Uh, and is that – did you create that story? I created that with Greg and, and Brian. Yeah, mm-hmm. yeah, yeah. And then I'm – But so, is there – I'm just wondering like is there some piece of you in there? Uh, yeah. There's a, there's pieces of me in that, um, you know, I'm, I feel underdoggy sometimes. But yeah. especially like when I responded to it because I always felt that I was like good at sports and stuff. But I was always – I think I was good. But I was – I'm small. I'm like, you know, I'm 5'6 now mm-hmm. and I used to be much smaller and all my friends would play football and stuff. And I even played football in middle school and I think I was fast and good. But I wouldn't – I was like Rudy. Like I wouldn't get a chance to play. Mm-hmm. And then finally the last like play of the season, eighth grade, they finally put me in. People were like, put Harrison. We're you know, we're fine. We're winning. And then the quarterback missed the snap and I never got to run it. And that's my tragedy. Wow. <laughs> wow. But the See, reality is I would have fucking art. died if I, I would have – if one person tackled me, I would have crumbled. Mm-hmm. So I'm glad that I – right. people doubted me. Yeah. They say they saved you that way. That's like the anti-Rudy story, though. It's, yeah, I know it sucks. That's like the saddest thing <laughs> I've ever heard. That's awful. Yeah, it was horrible. You want to know something? I have never seen Rudy, and more and more, I'm feeling like it's a. It's like someone who. Well, I was going to say it's like someone who's uh, not familiar at all with the Bible, but no, it actually on. comes up more often than Rudy. Is this about the newsroom? No, but because I've seen the newsroom. In context, contextually, I was going to say contextually in some weird, yeah. weird way. Yeah. Contextually, I have a sense of what happened. But like I had started to say before I took this weird detour, I uh, more and more I feel like not having seen it is going to prevent me from understanding a lot of conversations. Someone give me the cliff notes. Yeah, that's true. I mean I, I love finding out what movies people haven't seen. But I don't, I don't fault people for not having seen obvious movies. A lot of people are like, what the oh, fuck? Obvious. You haven't seen – 2001, I haven't seen 2001. Yeah. I started it. I what didn't happened? finish it. It was long and I had shit to do. You know, I'm going to see it one day. I haven't seen Casablanca. I haven't seen a lot of that shit. I haven't seen Citizen happens. Kane. Oh, though that one's good. I know, um, but... You know, yeah, I know. I saw it in a class. I wouldn't have seen it otherwise. Yeah. You know what movie took me like four tries to get through? Hmm. Star Wars. Yeah, I can see that. It's not... Mm. great now if you watch it for the first I don't know when you watch it for the first time when I was a kid but I couldn't get through it any of the times I tried to watch it as a kid and then as an adult I just as an adult but when one could still rent a video from Blockbuster so the a long days. time ago yeah um, yeah I rented the Star Wars trilogy because I was like I've got what I, kind I of girl to... were you were you like into boy shit no but I wasn't super into girly shit either you just I just it was like march to the beat of your own drum yeah it's like that Linda Ronstadt song yeah um I was I'm trying to think no I wasn't did you like easy bake oven and stuff yeah yeah I actually did like that um I didn't like dolls though but I liked mm-hmm. stuffed animals mm-hmm. so I was a dork is what I was but mm-hmm. not into like sciencey techs although I was actually good at science but I wasn't into you know nerd yeah. culture went back when it was nerdy because now it's cool right you know are you into it now um, are you nerdy about stuff mm, uh, nah, pop culture maybe okay but not um but i'm not like i remember i was going to be on this comic book podcast mm-hmm. this is when i still lived in new york 
And I had to read all these comic books to do this segment on like a person who doesn't read comics take on these comic books, you know. So I was reading these comics on the subway and I was noticing I was getting a lot of attention for it because it's like a girl reading comics. And I was thinking if they only knew how much this is not who I am right now. <laughs> um, yeah, what kind of girl were you? <laughs> I was uh, – I loved dolls. Uh, Did you? Because no, I I I liked action. I was a boy kid, Mm -hmm. Um, but my sister. I had an older sister, and so sometimes to hang out with her and her friends, because I would be bored just by myself. Sometimes they would do girl shit and like make videos, and like I like I had to be the Swayze and like a dirty dancing recreation (laughs) that they did, right? You know, shit like that. Is your sister older? Yeah, she's three years older. Mm -hmm. Do you guys get along? Uh, we do get a- along very well, but she came here for Thanksgiving and then recently sent me like an email saying that like we aren't as close as we. It was like a very sad, like kind of. I felt blindsided by it. Mm-hmm. How personal do we get on this show? Uh, extremely. Oh, okay. as personal as you'll get. <laughs> Tell me more about this email. No, she just doesn't think that I like call and and reach out to them or to her and that she feels like we used to be actually like friends and now it's like we're just family that sees each other mm-hmm. on the holidays. Which I don't, you know, I'm just. It's hard when you're out here and you're busy. You kind of forget right. to keep in touch with people. Well, you're Hollywood now. I'm Hollywood, baby. Um. <laughs> so you you haven't been feeling the same? No, I didn't know. I it, it, it came out of nowhere, to be honest. But I, when I thought about it, I was like, yeah, I guess I could be a better brother. And so I wrote her an email, and you know, we're good. Well, that's nice that you yeah. didn't get defensive. I think my first reaction sometimes. Depending on how it's worded, would be like, no, there's nothing wrong with me. Oh, and then you I'd know. Be like, oh, you did. Well, I what I tend to do is like admit my fault and then say, but listen, I don't communicate with most of my best friends that live outside of Los Angeles. And she's like, okay, yes, I understand that, but I'm telling you what's wrong, and do you choose mm-hmm. to try to change or not? I'm like, yeah, fine. Right. So yeah. So now you're okay with it. Now, now I'm fine. Yeah, we're we're good. But it was a big trip. She met my girlfriend for the my family met my girlfriend for the first time. It was a big, um, yeah, like emotional. And her boyfriend came in, and we did it with their family for the first time. Mm-hmm. Like, it's always been just like in recent years, just the four of us, my immediate family, mm-hmm. and this it was like this big family fun thing again for the first time. So we all had a good time. But, now, is your does your family welcome uh, new people in easily, or is they, there sadness? No, they love it. My parents are more hard on um, my sister bringing a guy than they are with me and a girl. Because mm-hmm. I feel like with it's kind of old fashioned, but they're like, they're that guy is going to have to provide for my daughter at some point. Mm-hmm. And with me, it's like the girl just has to be nice and not be an asshole and be. Hot, I guess. Yeah. Not hot, but cute. Um, Your family wants you to be with someone who's hot. I think my dad probably does want me to be with someone that's hot. Yeah. But uh, uh, yeah, so it was good. And and they actually like my sister's new boyfriend. They haven't liked a lot of her past ones. What kind of guys has she dated? Well, she was like in this phase where she was dating like dudes in bands and, and bartenders and stuff. Oh, yeah. And like this was the first phase. time out of that. What does he do? He uh, is like a designer, website designer and stuff mm-hmm. and he's a very nice guy and, and uh, it's great. So hopefully something happens. And uh, and what what's the deal with your girlfriend? My girlfriend is a, a musician and um, 
she's great. And it's been like six months. This is like the longest, healthiest thing I've had. It's mm-hmm. awesome. Congrats. What kind of people did you date before? Um, A lot of them? No. I Well, uh, hmm. I, I, heard, I have to tell you. Okay. I say this like it's going to be a bad thing. It's Uh-oh. not really. No, um, I, I heard you were a player from someone <laughs> and I, I'm going to have to go back and say – how did, where did you hear that? But I feel like – because he listens to a lot of podcasts. The has person that told up? you this? Yeah. Has this come up on podcasts? Yeah. It's come up on a few I, – I don't know where this reputation came. Okay. I'm very so open about my sexuality and like what I've done with – and also I do – I hook up with girls but – That's probably where it comes from. It's in that. a quest to find a relationship. Mm. It's All not, players feel that way. But I, I'm, I'm legit. That's true. I, I found a girl that yeah. I've settled down with. And that usually is how it goes. I'll be with someone for like a year and then between that and the next thing, I'll Mm -hmm. hook up with a fair amount of girls and I'll talk about it on podcasts and then people are like, oh, he's a player. But I think a player is someone with with intentions of I just want to hook up. Right. I don't. I I like – I want to get married and have kids one day. I'm like into that. Mm -hmm. But also I love – Fucking, I love fucking. You love fucking. <laughs> no, I'm just kidding. Do you say uh, things like oh, this? Like me, oh my. I really like all women. No, because I, um, I've heard men say things like that before, like just talk in general about how like they just love women, and to me that always makes me go ugh. Yeah, I don't know. What There's that, something yeah. strangely objectifying about that statement, even though it's an attempt to show how like down with everyone they are. Yeah, I don't know. That's gross to me too. Yeah. I like some women. Yeah. I hate some women. What makes you hate them? <laughs> What's something you hate? What's something I hate? Yeah. I hate when um when a, you're with a girl and she goes, "I'm bored." Like, <laughs> you're fucking boring. That's not my problem. Yeah. Guys do that too. I don't like anyone that if you can't like entertain yourself or like you know, it's not I'm not it's not my job to sing and dance for you. Mm-hmm. But uh so I hate that. Um, what else do I hate? Do you hate humble brags? Yeah, I humble brags. I obviously hate. Now, for the um listener who's been living under a rock, not watching Rudy, but <laughs> but if there's another one besides me, explain what a humble brag is. Okay, so a humble brag is um, it's like a brag that that whoever's bragging they try to do it in a self-deprecating way to not feel. To not make it seem like they're just outright bragging, mm-hmm. and it, I think it's it's pretty. You can see it very clearly, and a lot of people do it, and it's very annoying. Um, I don't have a good example off the top of my head, but um, when someone says like, um, even well, I could even being in out of a book. oh we're, we've we had have... it we're on the tarmac for two hours even in first class this sucks yeah a lot of like that's one you know. Um, let's see. Okay. I don't know who this person is. David mm-hmm. Yelland. Mm-hmm. Saw someone leaf through my novel in Waterstones earlier and, and then asterisk, put it back on the shelf, asterisk. Hashtag, I'm still following them, call the police. Uh, so that's his book, obviously. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> or, um. So that the brag there is like, hey, I'm an author and my book is in stores. Yeah. And then the humble part is, oh, but this guy, I saw him put it back. And I think my comment for that was, are you just hanging out? Are yeah. you just lurking in your section at a bookstore waiting to see if people buy your book, you weirdo? 
Right. Um, okay. Or Van Durham. I was told I saved someone's life today, but really I was just doing my job. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> I got a lot of shit on pe- people on Twitter like, ah, come on. He's a cop. Come on. And I'm like, I don't care. That's a fucking humble brag. I like the chapter weird, awkward, surreal because mm-hmm. the words weird, awkward, surreal often yeah. follow humble brags. That's a very like shorthand way of, of getting a humble brag out there is like, Okay, I'm just going to say my brag and then just say it. Oh, isn't that weird? That's like for the mom on the go or something. <laughs> she can just throw that in. Yeah, weird to hear myself right now on Sirius XM while driving down Sunset Boulevard. Uh, and then you wrote, what is it about Sunset Boulevard that makes this, this scenario particularly weird for you, friend? <laughs> um, yeah, the book is very oh, funny. So I think everyone should go out and get it. I, I enjoy your commentary. I got to update the bit. site more. I kind of like once that book got out there it was like i gave birth to it and then i well it's not a good analogy because you immediately care for your baby after that this is like i gave birth to it and then threw the baby away right right this is like a um, like like a prom toilet yeah you know when you're just like in it and then you just kind of check out after like uh, yes yeah well you know i don't know if it's true or not all good stories start that way (laughs) i don't know if it's true or not but i've heard that after um, people on Broadway get really good reviews. They often – like the the show following a great review will often be a stand-in. Like they don't show up for work that day or something. I don't know why, but I'm just wondering Interesting. if like, like – They don't want to jinx it or something? May- maybe. Or I like don't... they don't want to have their – go out on top or they want to – Yeah. Or may- yeah, I think. They maybe there's some it. extra pressure or something. Yeah, for I sure. I don't know. I don't know. But um, OK. So – yeah, the thing that I dislike about humble brags um, is the dis- disingenuousness, disingenuity. Mm-hmm. That both both they of them count. of it. I know what you're saying. Yeah, is that like what gets you about it? Like, the f- I hate the idea that someone's like thinks they can out. In general, when I get the sense that someone's trying to outsmart someone, mm-hmm. that that uh, dynamic yes. bugs me. Yes, that is very annoying. I guess what I hate the most about it is like, why are you telling us this? Mm-hmm. Are you trying to make people envy you or feel bad about themselves? Because that's pretty much the result. Right. And I recognize that like this is – it's a lot of it is jealousy. Like when I started this account, it was probably jealousy on my part when I'd see someone – be like, I'm starring in a TV show, whatever their thing was. Mm-hmm. I'm like, oh, I hate that. But even beyond that, I hate that you're telling me that and making it seem like it sucks for you. Like, it's just the right. whole ball of terribleness. Right. But then I started thinking today, I'm like, but really, what is Twitter for? I, yeah, I don't know. Um, argue uh, to tell people that. You're at a store, at the grocery <laughs> store, I think, yeah. is its main right. goal. Tell people what you had for lunch. Mm-hmm. I remember when Twitter first started, everyone who hated Twitter would be like, I don't care what you had for lunch. It's like, who is actually tweeting that? I know. That's what Instagram is for. I know. And also, it's just I'm, – it's, I'm getting tired of reading – it's 140 characters. You can only do so much. Mm-hmm. It's all feeling the same to me. And also as a comedy writer – I'm starting to feel like, oh, anyone can do this. Yeah. It's really shined a light on that comedy writing is like maybe easy, easier than I thought. Because everyone's making jokes and everyone's – Are they funny though? Within within 10 minutes of like the debates, any joke that I could have written 
or that you would have seen on Letterman's monologue has been made a thousand times on Twitter by yeah. just people. And it, it kind of – it's like – It's almost it's a killed race. comedy. It's killed comedy I think because, yeah, there's nothing left. Mm-hmm. There's nothing left to comment on with Twitter. There's a million people commenting at every second of the day. What's left? What I don't particularly – or what something that makes me go, ugh, um, but then a lot of things do, is that what is considered funny on Twitter, like if you go to Favestar or those accounts where the certain tweets get a ton of attention, mm-hmm. there's a certain type of Twitter comedy that I don't find that funny. <laughs> and I will begin to dislike the people who are very popular in that Twitter kind of comedy. And then I think, why am I mad at this person I've never heard who lives in Canada? Yes. I'm not talking about Kelly Oxford because she's <laughs> here now. Um, but why am I mad at this this person? He's just trying to be funny. But it's like – I wish- Why are you mad? Let's Let's get into it. Is it's it? like, oh, you think you're so clever. It's their, it's they're never subtle jokes. It's always like, um, I like can't. trying to eat a banana. I will crush you, my friend. That's like a not even a good example, but it's like weirdly, it's I've there's a lot of like it's a lot of giving voice to inanimate objects or talking to them or <laughs> like um, yeah yeah I, know what you mean. I need to come up with and then there's also like dirty for dirty sake, which I yeah. don't. that's popular. It's like I punched a ninja in his dick, and like well, I don't know. Yeah, yeah, like or or like um, I just, but like instead of a ninja, it could be like I punched a a, a teddy bear in his dick. Like, yeah. like don't try to fight me, Teddy Ruxpin. And it's like, or, I mean, that, these are not good ones, but it's that tone. It's clear that you're like. <laughs> Really, you're really talking about someone very specific. Yeah, you <laughs> yeah, know what? It's so clear. I should, lo- I should look him up. Um, Gary had a question about humble brag. Okay. Yeah. Um, I, I love humble brag, and Thank I you. occasionally like will be sitting at my Twitter thing when you go on a retweet. Oh yeah, yeah, yeah. You know, barrage. Yeah. And uh, it always seems like it's such a wide range of people yeah. that I, I can't imagine you follow all these people. So, oh, I don't. So, I... do people email them to you? Or are you searching for yeah, specific it's... words? Like, wh- how do you do it? Well, it's pretty much people emailing at this point. It was at, when it started me searching for it and then I started getting enough email submissions that I could just rely on them. And that's how you get the wide variety and it's great. Yeah, it's way better that way. I mean it, it's – But for it's every always... like one good one you get, you get 30 email submissions that don't work. Oh, I, I bet. I mean – So having to sift through those has be this is a humble brag but it has become homework and I just have like – it's thousands of emails in my inbox that the longer I let it sit there, the more scared I am to tackle it. Like the wall is, is just yes. gonna Is there like a public email address that you give out to people if they yeah. want to submit or is it just your friends? Yeah, it's humblebrag at gmail dot com. Oh, that's awesome. Well, I also on Twitter gave out my personal email address. I said you can email me at Harriswittles at gmail dot com as a joke. Because I thought that would be funny. <laughs> and, and what happened? And I, well I said I said <laughs> and then my coworker Megan Amram, who has like a gajillion oh, she, she's followers. Very funny. She's Hilarious. very funny. She told everyone – she retweeted that and then said, send dick pics. And I got <laughs> – I mean I still get them every – like that was months ago and I'm still getting them. So joke was on me. <laughs> um, I thought it would be interesting. Just like oh, I want to see what happens. OK. So Gary, could you um, <clears throat> do me a favor and just find – Look up Favestar and find like the most fave tweets. Um, okay, so outside of Twitter, though, when people are being disin—I'm choosing the things that bug me—disingenuous or trying to outsmart people or um, just lying, sort of—is that—is that something that bothers you 
outside of oh, just yeah, like just in like life. Inter- in pers- yeah, is that something? Yeah, of that- course. I don't. I hate it. Yeah. I don't even really like going to parties anymore. Because? Because it's like 50 conversations that are that. Mm-hmm. I just want to like talk to like my actual friends that I'm real – that I have like real conversations with. Right. Yeah. And that aren't trying to like brag in some weird way. Um, I guess I, that's also I don't like small talk. I just don't like small talk. Yeah. <laughs> I'm trying to think if there's anyone who loves it. Um, Hang on. Okay, this is working well because now I'm um, taking time away from my conversation with you to be looking at this. No, but thing. this is worth it. Um, okay, we're looking at Fave Star. See the, but the, so these are the top tweets of all time. So there's not going to be a lot of jokes. I bet it's no, going to be a lot. Maybe of, we look at tweets of the day or something. That was yeah. one of the things on the side. Because that's going to be just like very sincere things about yeah. Hurricane Sandy and stuff. Um. Uh, well, okay. Here's one. All right. Puts on leather jacket, lights cigarette, combs my little ponies. In general, I'm not a big fan of <laughs> tweets that are only actions. Like, are you writing a script? <laughs> right, right, right. A very, very a tiny script. <laughs> okay, go down a little more. Um, nah, that's. Uh, um. Mm. <laughs> This is just a lot of silence. Yeah. Okay. If you see something that makes me mad, let me know. Um, uh, no, these are these are okay. Yeah, these are fine. Yeah. I uh, but to answer your previous question, I don't know what Twitter is for. I think I don't know. Stop trying. Nah. You know what? Okay, let's not do this because it's distracting me too much. Sorry. Bad. <laughs> really bad idea, me. Okay. Um, but you said – so you were like kid – you were a boy wonderkind. You were just a wonderkind. That's like I'm making a joke about – I'm not being sincere about that. But No, I know. But you had success young and now you feel like you're sort of becoming the, um, the normal age for mm-hmm. this. Yeah. How is that affecting you? Um, it makes it feel like more – I got uh, – mm. I still really like comedy but like it does feel just more like a jo- – like it's a grind now. Mm-hmm. Like, all right, I just go into work every day and this is my job is is writing the show. It feels the same as going into just an an office and just working and then you go home at the end of the day. And before it was all very exciting and I was like, I'm going to – this is great, great th- – uh, this all sounds humble braggy because no, I, I I'm, am very you. thankful for where I am in my life. Yeah, of course. Um, but you know, obviously you do anything for a long amount of time. And it becomes just more normal. It's just right. what your life is now. It's not as exciting as when I was 21 and I got to be in a writer's room with Sarah Silverman and it was cool and I was young and you know, I just got out of this shitty job and a lot of my friends were in shitty jobs and mm-hmm. now we're all just kind of doing this right. and it's just normal. Right. Well, like for me, I had um, success as a writer, journalism, very young. Like very young, I was writing for People and Rolling Stone and it was like – I how, felt like how'd you do that? Okay, so I started writing for the Los Angeles for the LA Times when I was in high school, mm-hmm. uh, and then I started writing for a little music magazine. Right you when submitted I, an article. Yeah, they had a um, like a, a a high school section or mm-hmm. a teen section, and um, they published my stuff. Oh, okay. And then um, 
I one of one of the articles that I did was about um it was about Orange County bands. Mm-hmm. Try I grew up in Orange County. Okay. So it was about bands and pay to play and um and the music scene and some stuff in LA as well. Did so you then, have to talk about No Doubt? This is before well, they they were Inland Empire at this point. Oh, they okay. were from Orange County, but they yeah. were like playing in the Inland Empire a lot more. No, but the but I wrote the first uh national cover story on No Doubt in Access magazine. And you know their video uh, for Don't Speak? Sure. The peaches, the photo shoot. Sure. Yes. Well, the in the photo shoot, they took a photo of all of them and then they made Gwen huge and they mm-hmm. made the guys really small. Yeah. And I was I was told, I don't know if it's true, that that was the inspiration for that video, I think. Oh, interesting. Which is weird that I – like I'm bragging about that, although it's kind of a bad thing, but I had nothing to do with the photo. You didn't take the photo no. or – yeah, I was there. I mean, I interviewed them at the fo- at, at that that right, day. Right, but right, yeah. Right. Um. Anyway, so yeah. So I so then I started uh, writing for this little they music that magazine. In, in, uh, Almost Famous too. Anyways, yeah. Did you see the movie Almost Famous? I did. When the t-shirts come out and they're right. all the band is small in the back. Mm-hmm. It's a common thing for a band, I guess. Exactly. But go on. So sorry. it probably wasn't that. It was probably just their feelings that Gwen was getting all the attention. Yeah, I mean, but also it wasn't that a lot because her and Tony's breakup too. There was like all that weirdness. Mm-hmm. Yes, she had just met Gavin when I interviewed Right, them. so like, Tony was bumming out on like a whole different level anyway. Right, right. There's many layers and levels to him. <laughs> so anyway, then I started writing for a little music magazine uh, and then I wrote for different magazines and newspapers in college. And then when I graduated, I just sent my clips to a bunch of papers and magazines and things. Mm-hmm. And I figured I'm just going to start at the top. And if that doesn't work, then I'll go to the smaller ones. But someone from People called me, an editor there. And then um, like a year later, I sent them out again. And someone from Rolling Stone called me. Oh, crazy. Started doing that. Um, but I thought this was going to be like, oh, my life and career is made. Yeah. But that wasn't quite the case. No, I mean, you... I, I was just a freelancer. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Uh, yeah. But you felt the same way then. Well, yes. I felt like, oh, my God, I found a magic shortcut. Mm-hmm. To yes. everything that everyone like, I don't have all that crap that everyone else is doing, and then, um, and and like, I don't mean to sound like I I am not appreciative for all of that because it was great and it you know definitely helped me with everything I did, but there was still a, a lot of dues paying that I had to do, mm-hmm. and um, do people did they resent you because you didn't uh, pay your dues? Yeah, I think so. Mm-hmm. I think so. Um. Yeah, but I remember starting, you know, a couple of different jobs and people thought I was an intern and it's like, no, I'm actually an editor. <laughs> and right. uh but I think I began to feel like I was lo- as I got older, I began to feel like I'm losing my edge. I was so far ahead of everyone and mm-hmm. now I it's not you know what I'm doing is special just like what everyone's doing is special, right. but it's not special because I am 21. Yeah, anymore. that's exactly like I was and this is something that I always felt in my life. Like I was always funny to my sister's friends, the, mm-hmm. her older friends and the older kids at school because it was like, oh, this young guy saying all this adult shit. It was yeah. funny because I was just like I knew about all sex and drugs and all that at an early age. And then you get older and then you're that's not uh, that's not novel anymore. Mm-hmm. And yeah, you kind of have to readjust why I'm funny a little bit. So w- – how do you answer that question now? <laughs> I don't know. Well, I guess I try. I don't know. I don't know how I'm funny. Am I funny? Yeah, I think you're funny. Cool, thanks. <laughs> See ya. I think uh, just honesty and comedy, mm-hmm. that's all that you can. Who said that, like, 
the only way to be unique in comedy is to be yourself, right? No manager I ever worked with. <laughs> <laughs> That's the, the you're the only literally the only person on earth who has that brand yeah. of comedy. Yeah. Do you still do stand up? No, I can't anymore. I love it, but I haven't done it in like six months because I uh, have been writing on Parks and then I go home and I try to write this pilot and mm-hmm. I was doing the book and it's just like I didn't have time to right. do that. And I was canceling on a lot of shows because we never know when we're getting out of Parks. It's up to my boss every night. Sometimes it's like 10. Mm-hmm. Is um, writing on a show, is it a bunch of people sitting around laughing all the time like I want it to be? It kind of is actually. Uh, I guess it depends on the room. It's – yeah, it's really fun. I, they're the funniest people and we just try to make each other laugh. They're professional. They're the best professional comedy writers I know and, mm-hmm. and it's great getting to be with them. Um, my friend Neil has a joke about like how in like when a good bit in a comedy room is going well, people are like laughing and they're like, yeah, yeah, yeah. And then what if this happens? And in a drama room, if it's like people are crying and then you try to build on that. Uh-huh. Like, yeah, and then <laughs> – what if he dies? I don't know. It's stupid. Makes Would you laugh. ever want to write for a uh, drama show? My drama? dream is to write a horror movie. I would love to do that. I think I could kill it. I know that I cannot. I know that I can't, but I think I can. It's like someone that says – It's like being 50-20. Yeah. <laughs> it's like someone that thinks they can do comedy because they're the funniest guy at the office and mm-hmm. then they go to an open mic and they bomb. But – I look at horror movies and I'm so good at judging them. Like, you <laughs> fucked that up. That's so stupid. I know I couldn't do any better, but I think I can. Uh huh. So Are you sure you couldn't though? I mean, I, I feel like know, you have I the could... bona fides too. Yeah. Well, hope we'll see. I. That's what I would love to do. Do Are you a horror fan? Love it. What's your favorite? I love like campy stuff. I mean, I you know Freddy. I grew up on and Jason and that. I but newer I like like The Descent and The Ring. Those are cool movies. And how does all of this not frighten you? Because I'm someone who I can't. It does. Watch. Okay, but you enjoy that. <laughs> no. All right, I don't understand. <laughs> this is I so do, rude. I I like being able to feel anything at this point. Oh oh, so you're dead inside. <laughs> One of those. Yeah. No. No. I, I'm. Well. <laughs> <laughs> no, really. Um, I mean, okay. Does it? I think I'm pretty even keeled, and it's it, like I feel like I've seen everything, and it like when something new frightens me or like makes me feel weird, just like in anything, it's exciting. Like I, I just feel like I've seen it all. But does the okay? So it frightens you while you see it, but yeah. do you take that home with you? There, hmm, yeah. If I see like the strangers or funny games, which was awesome. And I come home to an empty house that's dark. It freaks me out a little bit. And you like that? No, but yes. Oh my God, it's kind You're of such exciting. A paradox. I know. I I am. But aren't we all? Are we all? Yes. No. Some people. I eh, I feel like they're <laughs> to me. They're not. To me, you're a paradox. There's some people where I can be like, I get you. Right. Goodbye. Yeah, I don't get me. I'm yeah. a whole bag of troubles, kiddo. Mm. I see how you're a player. It's all making sense. Are you in therapy? I was. I go into therapy after every big breakup for like three weeks. Then I'm like, all right, I'm better. And Mm -hmm. then I'm not because I just bring all my bullshit into the next relationship. But then I realized I'm okay, and it was the girl. It's just those relationships were bad. 
I am fine now. And the I think I'm signed fine. Off on that? No, therapists <laughs> did not sign off on it whatsoever. I should definitely still be in therapy because they always say you're supposed to go when things are good because mm-hmm. that's right. That's really hard though. That's, I know because who wants yeah. to go fucking right delve into something when you're feeling good? Yeah. Well, okay. So so how so, often do you go to therapy? Um, I was in therapy. And then when I moved back to California, uh, I was in New York for eight or eight and a half years. And then when I moved back, I couldn't find a therapist. Well, it's a long story, but I wasn't in therapy. And then just, but I was talk. I would have like a phone session with my New York therapist periodically. Mm-hmm. And then just recently, after I meant kept saying it on the show that I should get back into therapy, I finally made myself get in touch with someone. Um, so I went to her twice, and I really liked her. But then I felt like I really needed to go. And she didn't have any openings, so I I just made a phone appointment with my New York therapist, and then I was like, oh, it's so easy talking to her because I don't have to start from scratch, and she gives me more time. The other one is at like a real therapist who mm-hmm. will actually be like, okay, we need to wrap up, you know. <laughs> um, so now I don't know what I'm going to do. So now I have two, but I mean, ideally weekly, but that's not. I haven't been doing that for years. Well, I think that's fine. I think. You're you're um you seem self-aware enough to what does therapy do for you? It just like makes me feel okay. It 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 makes me feel better. It tells you your problems and it doesn't make you fix them. You go, oh, I recognize that, right? Uh, Oh, you mean what is it? What is there? What does therapy do for someone in general? In general, okay. In general, I think if there's a certain behavior or a certain pattern you've identified in your life that you want help changing. It helps with that. Right. And But only you can change it. True. But what I'm saying is I think that you, as someone who has a podcast and someone who is a writer, you probably have a firm grasp on your patterns, right? You spend yeah, well, a lot of time thinking about them. I, th- I spend a lot of time thinking about myself, yeah. Yeah. Um, well, I think – but I think moreover me as someone who has been in therapy for a while, even though I'm not currently in it, I had – have a lot of – therapy already. You have the tools. Yes. Now. Yeah. But I do get really locked up on things like I'm feeling this way about this situation but I don't know how to tell the person this. Like I have a lot of trouble with being direct and with – even just this morning um, as I was leaving the apartment, I said to my boyfriend because he's like, you know what I might so – I'm like, you know what I might do? Like something something he was going to do while I was gone and I was like, oh, you know what we should do? We should put the lamp together. He's like, I get your hint. And because we bought this lamp that yeah. and and I wasn't I don't even know if I was so aware that I was asking him to do it while I'm gone. <laughs> but and then he's like, just ask me. I like it better. That's I interesting. prefer it. And but that is something that you wanted. You kind of did want him to do it. Yeah. Yeah. I've been wanting it for for a few days, but I, I haven't been able to say, could you put the lamp together? Because I'm thinking, well, why should he necessarily put it together I could just I could put it. I don't right, want to, but right. I, I could do that as well. It's not impossible. It's not too heavy. Mm-hmm. Um, so you recognize this on your own? Well, he yeah, but he said it. But then I felt bad. Like yeah, why didn't I? But mm-hmm. so, but that's not the mm-hmm. best example. But just in general, a lot of things I have trouble communicating because I'm I don't know that I have the right to say whatever or I feel weird about it or whatever. So I just get really like locked up and weird. Okay, and so I think for me, therapy helps. Just kind of giving me sort of a sense of what is appropriate oh, okay. communication, I guess. Sure, sure. Yeah. Okay. I don't have a problem with that. So 
you can just be an asshole. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Mm-hmm. Do you ever <laughs> do you ever uh, stop before you say something? <laughs> uh, no, I don't think I do. Yeah, that's I don't good. Think I have that setting. See, I am. Um, I'm always worried about hurting people's feelings, but then I wonder, or is it that I just want to be liked? They're kind of the sure. same. Well, I don't yeah. know. Hey, we're all out here in L.A. We yeah. all want to be liked. Right. So. Right. Uh, well, so what happens when when you break up with someone that makes you go to therapy? Well, what happens is I end up – usually I end the relationship or try to push them away because I feel too stifled. Mm-hmm. And then – want them back and then they go no you broke up with me and i go come on please don't make me kill myself do you really say that yeah i say like crazy shit anything to get them back yeah yeah. do you mean it no i've never killed myself but i have you done any have you acted out in that way though well i i take like drugs and stuff i take a lot of pills right (laughs) now i just do it for recreation not not sadness okay i guess it's always about sadness anyways um <laughs> No, no, this is good. So that's what, usually what kind of pills. Um I like um opiates like Vicodin and oxycodones and stuff like that. Okay. Ma'am, um some Xanax. What are you on right now? At this moment? Yeah. <laughs> Nothing. Last night I took uh some Vicodin. So it's so you don't do it when you're working though. No. Okay. I do it on weekends. Mhm. To so- fall asleep. I only do it. I don't go out on it. Do you guys drink in the writer's room? Mm, I've, I've heard before that there are writer's rooms where they you know, drink wine or whatever. I was just curious. No, we're not one of those rooms. We've There's been a few Fridays that we'll just like drink for whatever reason. But we're a drinking room. We When we go out together, we get quite hammered on retreats and stuff. There's a lot of tequila. Mm-hmm. Um, what were we talking about? We were talking about how you <laughs> threatened suicide to get someone back. And then I was trying to find out how like real that is. It's completely real. Um, well, that you say it, but do you do you ever? But you, you've never tried to do it. I've never tried to kill myself. But when you feel that like pain and you feel like you can't, you'll never recover from mm-hmm. it, like that level, and that no one has ever felt this amount of heartbreak. You feel like I do want to end it, and mm-hmm. I've never taken steps to do so. But I have felt like I will never get over this. I my life without this person is end is meaningless. And especially when she starts dating someone that you know and you can picture them, and someone that I think is funnier than me. That I mean, this, this I'm, yeah, this happened. It reminded me of this like when Chris Farley broke up with. Or he got dumped by a girl and then she was dating someone else and he's like, well, he might be more handsome and he might be richer than me but he's not funnier than me. And mm-hmm. someone's like, it's Steve Martin. And he's like, <laughs> fuck. But that's how I felt with this person. Who, Without divulging. I can't, you can't really divulge it okay. on the air. But after, Why? Well, because it is someone. I mean it's someone that is someone that right. people know. And you don't want people – you feel like it – like who would be hurt I was the by cuckold. you saying it? Well, I, I – it's not my right in a relationship. I only have 50% of the rights to talk about it, I feel like. But I feel like in this situation, you, you, you're you the one who uh, – like they all come out fine if you were to say their names. You're the one who you're saying you think this person's more funny than you. Oh, right. Well, that's – yeah, I know. 
But you don't you feel unfair doing that to her. <laughs> yeah. Oh, drats. I know. I can tell you. Uh, this is the worst because when I listen to podcasts or radio and someone does this and there's this build up and you just want them to to just say, say it. it. Yeah. I will say that the girl was on SNL. Okay. Okay. That's all I'll say. So people can do math from that if they want. Okay. But you'll just tell me off the air because sure. that'll be easier. Sure. Um Fabulous. All right. So now, but does that happen? That that uh, despair. Do you feel that at, with every breakup? Yeah, I feel. Um, and that's what when I went to therapy, they're all like, "Did you have a? Did your mother abandon you?" And I'm like, "No, my parents were married. My mom was very loving towards me." Mm-hmm. And they're like, "At some point, there was a separation." That's what they all say. And I'm like, "I don't know when that separation happened." Uh, the only reason or the only like time I could think it was like in middle school when I started doing drugs, I got more distant from my parents. And then they said, well, my therapist was like, you um, – when you, when you were like that age, that's when you start like really feeling emotions and you were numbing them already. So you never learned how to deal with pain. That's what th- – they told me. Mm-hmm. So I learned that from therapy and I, I kind of got it and I kind of agreed with it actually. Mm-hmm. Uh, and so that's why I don't really go. But it's just – it's circumstantial heartache. That's why I go to therapy. Um, when you're in the relationship, how are you feeling? Uh, in the relationship, it's great at first and then um, at a certain point, I, I, I get tired of it and that's usually after – like a couple months mm-hmm. or I don't know, a few months. And then I stick with it and then it gets better again sometimes. Sometimes it doesn't. Mm-hmm. But like this time in this relationship, I haven't gotten tired of it yet. So that's how I know it's good. Now, what's – but I'm wondering what's different about this one do you think? This one is um, – it's very give and take on each side and it wasn't in the other ones. What were the other ones like? Uh, I feel like it was very – well, just in terms of the last one, it was very about her 100 percent. Like you were giving and she was taking? Yeah. And she's – yeah. Mm. Yeah. <laughs> uh, how did you get into drugs so young? Um, that was probably from my sister to a certain degree. Because she had like these boyfriends that like or her friends would just like smoke pot in our backyard and then I would come out there and be like, hey, little guy, let's get you fucked up. And <laughs> I'd be like, all right. And then I really liked pot and me and my friends smoked a lot of pot and from in seventh and eighth grade. And then in high school, that's – I went to like this weird arts high school and then that's where I got introduced to like – hallucinogens and loved like mushrooms and LSD and went to raves and was doing ecstasy, all that stuff. Mm-hmm. So, yeah. And then I got – I met the band Fish and not – I didn't meet them but I went to a show yeah. and met their music. And then that – so that scene is also – it's you know pretty prevalent there. Mm-hmm. I've always been more drawn to like subculture than culture mm-hmm. and – I hate pot culture. I do. I hate eh, 420, all that shit. But I do like people that 
have a natural like their predisposition is toward is like against the law. I don't know. I just like no, people no, that are, yeah. It's a little countercultural. I like people that are counterculture and a little um yeah, just like off the grid or something. They're more interesting. They're not more interesting, but I guess I don't like authority. I don't know. Mhm. So. Yeah. Well, you're sounds like you're not a joiner. Yeah. Maybe. I don't think so. Um, All my friends went to the, like a normal high school and then I went to this arts high school that was like very weird and like artsy mm-hmm. and I like that. So have the – has the drug use ever been a problem though? I mean – well, I I truly think that it is possible to recreationally take drugs and no one agrees. <laughs> But I other people who recreationally, in quotes, use drugs. Sorry, that was so condescending. The way I just put that in quotes. <laughs> Strike the quotes. Other people who recreationally use drugs probably would agree. Yeah. Well, here's I think that uh, a lot of people do take it to us to um, escape escape pain or something. I take it in the same way that someone plays a video game or watches a movie. Isn't everything an escape? Isn't yeah. everything? Well, video games for sure can be. And so, what's the difference between someone? And often I'll play video games while on drugs, mm-hmm. and that's great. But uh, do you care to call out any particular game and drug combinations? Um, well, I just played Arkham City pretty stoned. I beat it, and it was like the best game experience of my life. Mm-hmm. Um, but point being is, we're isn't literally life is kind of. A drag? It's kind of a drag. It's kind of repetitive. It's kind of just waiting to die. We know that we're going to die and we're just distracting ourselves from that fact for the most part. And you watch football games or you watch whatever. However you can distract yourself, great. And I found that in addition to video games or movies or playing drums, like which are my other favorite things to do, fucking take a pill and feel really warm and cozy and Mm -hmm. sit by a fire and drink cocoa. It's a really compelling argument for yeah. drug use. Well, yeah, I think if you cannot have it get out of hand, and until until I am fired from these writing jobs and my family and friends have turned their backs on me, I, I think that I have a good grasp on it. Yeah. Which I've been doing since I was 13, 14. I'm 28 now, and my life is fine. So maybe I actually do. Would people around you say that to you? Yeah. That would be their assessment as well? Yeah. Yeah. My parents know I do drugs. They don't have a problem with it? Because I'm fine. Mm -hmm. Yeah. I mean I have a friend who has been a a coke addict forever and an alcoholic and he gets into all sorts of trouble but he's high functioning. Mm -hmm. He's able to hold down his job. He's able to be – you know, he's a performer as well and he's able to be successful um, in his personal life and just in terms of getting into – getting into accidents and things like that. Like it's a, it's negatively affected him that sure. way. But I think that he's damaging his health. Like I just don't think you can go on like that without he's, something happening to you. I think that there's some drugs that are worse than others in terms of your – alcohol I think can ruin people. Yeah. Uh, and there's drunk driving accidents and obviously and you get bloated and stinky and sweaty. Right. And coke is bad because you get – you lose your, your septum and it's bad for your heart. Yeah. And, uh, ecstasy is bad because it depletes your serotonin and you can't be happy anymore. I don't do ecstasy because of that. Mm-hmm. Um, but then there's some that are just like Tylenol or mushrooms or just like 
use mushrooms like it's a trip. It is a trip. Use mm-hmm. it like a vacation. You don't go to Hawaii every week. You go to Hawaii once a year, once right. every two years. Not me. I've only been one. But you know what I mean. Yes. Yeah. Use it like a vacation. When you, when you have kids, do you think you'll still do it? I don't think so. I've talked about kids and that with my girlfriend and uh, we've don't we've decided well we've actually decided we're going to quit smoking cigarettes in the new year and I'm going to begin my ascent into not doing that not having a lifestyle like that are you worried about that no see I think for some people um, like me uh, my own guilt about doing anything like that was so great that I couldn't enjoy the lifestyle of right. using. Um, what? Well, plus I have a very addictive personality. I mean, for me, it sounds like it's very different. Like for you, it sounds like um, I'm trying to find – I'm trying to take myself out of this and just say <laughs> that I think there are certain people yeah. where a new drug or a new whatever, suddenly it becomes very much all about like – that thing shines brighter than anything else. And yes. maybe it's still contained. Maybe you're still only doing it at night or on the weekends or when you go out. But suddenly like there's just – I know, have other things in my life in that I things. love more than that. Yeah. Yes. Yeah. So I care – you know, I have friends and family and a job that I like and that will always be like more know, brighter to, to me I guess. Yeah, than – that's that's um that's very healthy. <laughs> I would I love decided. to be the poster child for responsible recreational drug use. Hey, you guys, it's me, Allison, again. So we choose these promos uh, from the episode that we play on other episodes of shows around here, and I wish that I had chosen that moment as the promo, but alas, I didn't. So y- you're hearing it. And no one else has heard it except other people who are listening to this right now. Anyway, is there such a thing as responsible drug use and can you be the poster child for it? All of this will be answered or not in part two, which you can hear first thing Thursday morning or Wednesday night. I'm sorry. sorry. Do we have to do that over again because it made that noise? It's really Perfectionist me. Gary. Do you mind? <laughs> I think it'd be funny to leave this in there. And have it known that it's killing you, that there's a little ding. All right. Yeah, okay. That's fine. I love you guys. Don't forget to download part two Thursday morning. Hey, do you know about the Allison Rosen show? We had a good time, but now we gotta go. Thank you for choosing the Allison Rosen show.